Welcome to episode nine of a live podcast on catalyzing radical systemic change. The header of today's episode is real estate as a driver for change. And as we all know, real estate, why should it be a driver of change? Because if we look at the, uh, you know, at the facts, uh, often actually real estate, you know, is massively also a cause of the problem. If you look at the housing crisis, the affordability crisis, and of, you know, the, the rising prices of real estate that make it like close to impossible for normal citizens to, to like buy property in, in like a city like Berlin. So I'm curious today to double down uh, on a couple of examples, touching like Holzmarkt a tiny bit, Malzfabrik, and then take it bit a look into the future of what might be developing in the next couple of years, just 50 minutes uh, train ride uh, uh, from Berlin, uh, where is a project that's called Havelfabrik. So yeah, welcome, uh, Frank. It's really my honor uh, to have you as a guest. And I think a good start is why real estate? What fascinates you so much about real estate? It's now a couple of decades, you know, that you're working in, in the field. And I think the, the, the easiest example to understand what you're doing differently from a lot of real estate, um, like mainstream real estate developers is uh, when you give a brief sketch of your biography and then really just give these examples of, like I said, you know, Holzmark and Malzfabrik to give the people listening or watching the video, like a taster of what is it that you're doing differently to like enable real estate to be a driver of change? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, dear Alistair. Um, uh, yeah, I'm glad to, to be part of this, um, this podcast and um, to tell you all about you want to know in terms of real estate and you are absolutely right it might be it might sound like uh, a paradox you know there is frank and maybe so far about me uh, as an environmentalist even as an environmental activist uh, a very um, anti-capitalistic person or soul uh, trying to uh, be here as an entrepreneur uh, for impact and then as a real estate entrepreneur. So how is that, how is that possible? Uh, and uh, uh, since the field of real estate is a very, per definition, let's say capitalistic field where you add and create value in terms of buildings and building permits and, uh, you know, buying and selling uh, in the market also with leveraging uh, stakes uh, in the bank system, as we all have seen, all also, especially before the last uh, real estate crisis. And I took myself out of that and away from that, uh, not uh, because I would particularly dislike uh, money or making money, but um, because I am, I was searching for the impact. And in these terms. Uh, in this in this perspective, I think real estate is not or cannot be in the one hand a driver of change, as you said, but it can be the home for change. If you stop thinking that you actually possess real estate, 
you might be the owner, a legal owner of, of real estate and of a property, but in my world, we cannot be the possessor. Uh, it's a German word um, that distinguishes ownership from possessing um, of, of, of real estate. And if you, if you take these two terms apart, you already have the solution uh, because it's very important not to think it's a private property and because it's a private property, it's not yours property, not your property. That's the, the basic philosophy behind our um, projects. And uh, this is the reason why it works. I, I came to that over the years from real estate investment and portfolio management uh, and exactly the, the field where we try to be very transparent uh, which we thought was social. We tried to have, you know, to follow on shareholder value uh, for our investors, which is nice for the investors. But at the end, it's making the rich richer and in, in many ways, maybe too rich because there is profits that are so far above making sense just because the market became smaller due to increase of demand. Uh, that's that they don't justify making these profits. These profits should belong to to the real estate itself and to the people using it and to the community and to the city or to the to the uh, um, to the plants, depending on what what you own. Then let's. Let's maybe start in, in 2005 when, when, when you um, acquired like Malzfabrik. So um, just, just for reference for, for the people, Malzfabrik um, is a pretty big uh, chunk of property uh, that uh, Frank and others um, acquired in 2005 and developing since. And what I find interesting is like when you visit the place, I think you can like literally feel the spirit or also when you click on the digital avatar and, you know, read about like who is actually working there? How is it looking? And um, I'm just curious, um, what are your like main learnings with Malzfabrik in the south of Berlin to, yeah, to understand deeper what the place wants, maybe what the soul of the place is, what is the culture you're building? What are the people who are like working there? Yeah, and maybe also why you're doing what you're doing. And because I mean, it's 17 years of a lot of effort, a lot of, yeah, sweat and tears, so to say, to, to develop that project in a different way than you could have if you were just looking on the profit side. Yes, yeah. Um, the, 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 the first thing is really a very personal question. I, I already mentioned a little bit, you know, what's your position towards uh, making money and is it, is it important? Uh, and it's not, it's not to us. And that's, that's a radical position. So out of this position, we look at the, at the property, uh, you're right, which we acquired in 2005, shortly after we entered the German and Berlin market with, with investments. And then thanks to the Malzfabrik property, which is uh, about 
50 square 50,000 square meter uh, or 500,000 square foot uh, site uh, for malt uh, malt production malzfabrik means malt factory so you have barley that has been turned into malt by a big brewery at the time uh, beautiful old listed brick buildings uh, from um, the early 20th century from 19 1914 during the first world war basically this site was built so it has a beautiful and or stunning history um, on the one side and then you feel into the into these these walls and and think of uh, what might come and emerge out of it what does it want to give birth to and as a owner it's all about letting go to those feelings and say okay um, this feels right it's a place for artists it's a place for creativity it's a place for workspaces it's a, a commercial space with life quality that's what we call it as well and it's a biodiversity place we have city farming there we have green impact companies there we have green teaching institutions uh, there, uh, beautiful tenants that I did not choose from the beginning. I just gave the site a purpose and then they came automatically. It sounds a bit magical, but it's all about letting go and trusting into that process. And uh, this is uh, a way to deal with real estate, which uh, we call purpose-driven development you give it a purpose and the purpose drives uh, the real estate and the premises <clears throat> and on the other side it's about really trusting trusting that process and not calculating too much and if you do that and that's that was to be proven but we were actually able to prove that now with Malzfabrik it becomes also economically it becomes it, it it is it's going to be as you said alistair when you enter the site you don't feel that you are in berlin anymore it's a different place it's a, just a beautiful place that is itself it lives itself it knows what it's there for and you can feel that and uh, and the tenants and our clients they can feel that and they all love it and we don't have for I think for three years now we don't have any any vacancy anymore. We have a long waiting list. Everybody wants to be there, so that's pretty economical. Um, in that sense, it also makes it's even funny that some people in the real estate industry come and say, "How do you do that? It's a good deal, right?" <laughs> they want to know how to do it, and I just have to tell them, "Yeah, if you want to do that, you're happy to." To copy that idea but you have to unlearn everything you learn about real estate making money so if if you were to to compress and tell people what are the most important learnings of these 17 years what can other real estate developers learn from your experience of developing like Malzfabrik in the south of Berlin? 
Uh, it's um, first of all, also firstly, it is the we, we also call it curating the place. We are we are designing the place, curating all people, all stakeholders of this place um, out of a purpose, and that means authenticity. You have to be authentic, and you have to be maybe radically authentic, just just no compromises on what you are and on what the site is, on what Malzfabrik is. Uh, so it needs a little bit of um, uh, courage, maybe, to, to really do that, because you need money or because people think you're crazy or I don't know. <laughs> so you have to be straight on that. Um, and the second thing is uh, really um, um, patience and a radical commitment into your decisions. When you say, okay, this space is going to be uh, a music studio or whatever, you just go there because we build spaces without leasing contracts, which is quite untypical. It's much harder to finance that. But you build it for the because it's the purpose of the building and and then you get a much better music studio for example and then you can lease it to any musician because every musician would love that studio it's the other way around so it needs a bit of courage there and patience to to uh, of believing into your decision to really do that um, and then the third thing is just do it Let's do it, space. Um, so I remember that when we were sitting in a regional train in a beautiful late spring, early summer day, must have been May last year, 2021. And we were going to Berlin Central Station. We were putting in our bicycles and we were taking the regional train and after 55 minutes, we we're getting out of the regional train into a beautiful small town, not a village, a small town, like roundabout, depending on how you count it with all the surroundings, like six to 10,000 people living there at the beginning of the Mecklenburger Seenplatte, which can be translated into something like a compound of around about 1,500 lakes that for like miles on end or kilometers on end stretch, just with really stunning beauty, like amazing water quality, but still close to the lake. And there is what is called, at least as a working title, like the city quarter Havelfabrik, which basically means factory at river Havel and again the river Havel pretty much translates into a river being 1500 lakes which is like really unique in the whole of Europe so um how did you stumble over that property what, what what's the what's the myth of 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 founding that that beautiful let's say piece of of land and what makes you excited in developing that into like a city quarter 
how I stumbled and how we started uh, Hafelfabrik. And I still have to figure out the right story for our legacy and the future to tell. <laughs> so I don't know uh, if I want to tell you the simple truth, but the simple truth actually is uh, I was houseboating with friends and in the morning I stood up to take a swim, jump off the boat, and I saw this beautiful skyline of this wonderful old mill factory, um, cattle food mill factory, uh, as it was used um, at the site we, we, we bought last year. Uh, in Fürstenberg, and it was it's it's an abandoned factory with silos in the middle of this beautiful nature environment, the forests and the lake, the uh, the Rüblin Lake. Um, and I thought, wow, what a beautiful site! Of course, as a developer and a Malzfabrik owner, I was in love instantly. And uh, then we were very lucky to, to, to find the owners, to talk to them, to convince them to hand uh, this property over to us, uh, even to work with us uh, on our future project with that property. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the other coincidence that happens uh, almost a year later, where we had the first meeting. Well, I don't know if you need to work on the legacy, because if I were to think about storytelling or producing a trailer or working on a social media campaign, I mean, what more beautiful storyline could there be that Frank Sibyl, a beautiful soul and a seasoned real estate developer, is in a vacation mode on a houseboat, takes a swim and sees... The property that he bought a year later with the same people who owned it and convinced them to develop it in a different way. So when we when we look at the at the let's say small city scale of Fürstenberg and der Havel, obviously such a city quarter which will attract different people, a different level of let's say resonance more like, let's say, urban people, more digital nomads. How are you enabling that this beautiful piece does not become just a means of speculation? So how are you structuring the development on site in Fürstenberg at the lakeside in a way that ensures that really Fürstenberg as a whole and the people also living there, you know? Yeah. Are, are woven into the concept. Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to also consider that uh, usually, I mean, consider how the industry thinks and we really try to think differently. And like it is with us humans, we always fall back into our mind space uh, and forget our heart space. Um, and if you think of the property as it, as I found it, uh, it is uh, um, urban, very urban city center property. Maybe you could call it in Fürstenberg terms, which is a small town, as you said. Um, it's directly next to the main station, but it's also directly at the at the lake with an own harbor 
looking into the woods, beautiful trees and nature. So it is the entry point from urban to nature in automatically, uh, geologic, geologically. And if you look at the, the site itself and the governmental purpose of the site, we technically were allowed to build everything completely full with uh, condominiums and, and um, holiday apartments, right? And uh, the first step we did there structurally was to cut that by at least 50%. So we will have maximum 40% residential use. And the other use is uh, commercial, is office space, is craft space, um, atelier space for artists, event space, gastronomy, and all that combined, also culture, and if you combine all these um, usages uh, next to the living usage, the residential use, that's why we call it city quarter. That's a, that's the definition of a city quarter, and it's it's very social and sustainable because city quarter means we have no exclusion of usage. We have uh, 360 degrees of stakeholders on that side everybody is welcome everybody can do something there and is right there it doesn't matter if you want to live there or sleep and spend holidays or if you want to work there um, but it's the right mix that's the mix and the mix is the key uh, in in the structure that was the first step we did structuring that mix and the second step uh, we are just about to do now, after we bought the, the property, the, 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 the base, after we executed the base uh, transaction now in the acquisition process, um, we try to find uh, with more money we will and would obviously need to develop the site in the future. Uh, and before we collect money blindly with a business plan and all these things we have, we have a financial plan, but it's, it's very dynamic and it's actually not so important. Uh, the capital needs to be um, sustained and um, paid off with, with a certain return. Uh, but we uh, we uh, are looking for structures that uh, allow the property really to be healthy, the project really to be healthy, and windfall profits, outperformances, uh, huge market developments in terms of value. Uh, most of that money or value we want to keep in in the site. We want to use it to reduce certain rents for people in need or to to build arts uh, installations or kindergartens, whatever is the right um, investment that's more or more or less, less non-for-profit uh, to create that city responsibility as well along with the city mix and the city quarter mix. Uh, so all these things 
are being combined and that's where we're working on right now but there's different structures you can um, cut the possibility to make money that's quite simple uh, that's that's what it is and the other thing which is maybe a bit more work is to find the right investors that are looking for impact rather than making more money than you would expect in any real estate fund you know i mean we're talking about money that is like above uh, a nice return anyways it's maybe a lucky punch but it causes the greed of investors it says like okay i made 10 percent, 20 percent. that's nice versus i tripled my investment that's super uh, super nice and that's that's what what is not possible in our case we don't want that anymore because it's too much it's uh, it causes too much collateral damage what is the right time that people you know should get involved i mean they can sign up to the newsletter but imagine people listen that podcast or they click on the website you know uh, uh like I think it will be like towards the second half of the year, right? That there will be like an investment proposal out there. So we're really just collecting the interest of the people. And then towards the yeah Q3 and Q4 of 2022, there will be like a more properly, you know, uh, uh, investment proposal that, that is possible to hand out. And the timeline overall, if I got it, is like, two years of permits and structuring and stuff like that. And then like building will be starting in like three years or so roundabout, right? For, for this project, which is uh, uh, the, the, the main project we are going to, to have and to do in the next years, that's right. Uh, the, these numbers are, are about correct. And, but you know, everybody can, it's not about, um, raising money we are happy to talk to everybody who is interested in, in investing and also in impact investing and making a difference and also securing his capital which is quite safe with with a real estate uh, asset uh, but also any 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 person that is interested in that region we really want to um, open the region up we want to synergize and synchronize Berlin with the with the with the state of Brandenburg which is around Berlin you know Berlin is a is an island of Brandenburg uh, you know but probably many don't uh, of, of the Bundes, Bundes, Bundesland Brandenburg and there were actually even plans of the government I don't know if you heard that Alistair but there was a plan to to merge Berlin with Brandenburg. Mm. Uh, it almost happens. Uh, so these uh, two states are very, very uh, connected in many ways. And um, it's a huge chance because also the government of Germany is very interested in developing Brandenburg, which is um, the state where the city of Fürstenberg is located. Uh, so also there are a lot of possibilities that the project can have a huge return also financially but as i said first we want to secure that these returns don't go to 
investors only. And uh, on the other side, we want to invite everybody also to take a tour, um, a site visit. We did one together already last 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 fall, which was very nice. And uh, um, because we need that impact, we want to get input from everybody, what they think, and maybe we, you know, uh, we, we, we pick, we even pick that, that one sentence of one of these side tours. Uh, that's how inclusive development works. Yeah, what I find really fascinating, and I think that's a good closing from my side, Frank, is ever since we met, I feel this, like, deep trust you have that when we cultivate the insights and we don't compromise on our values and our dreams on the way we want to live and build also business and projects. So almost like this inner vessel, this inner alignment with the trust and the commitment and the perseverance into the project then aligns almost magically the right forms of capital, the right stakeholders, the right politicians. It makes truly magic happen because it feels almost like after 17 years with, with Miles Fabrik, you know, now an even bigger project and a lot of responsibility to, to like build like almost like a city quarter where people work, but also live, also have leisure time at such a beautiful um, lake actually is really also a lot of responsibility. And in a positive sense can be like a beacon, right? Really show, hey, this is also how real estate can work when we don't just work on maximizing the ROI, but sure, we need to make sure we cover the, the, the cost, you know, of the capital and pay back to those who take the risk of investing. Sure. But we're actually taking that place as an example for biodiversity, for inclusive living, for arts, for sustainability, for multiple generations living and working there together. So yeah, maybe that was a, a little bit pathetic, but anyhow, that's some way, somehow and somewhere the nature of my heart and my, um, my, my, my speaking. Frank, I would like to hand over to you with some like closing words. Maybe what would be your dream when you successfully develop that city quarter in the next, yeah, maybe up until 2030 or so? How would it look like? How would it feel like? Mm. Well, uh... <laughs> Uh, it, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say it better than you just did. You know, uh, all these things taking place and happening on site, um, and uh, seeing, seeing that joy, that joy in the faces of visitors in any form. Uh, I'm very, very grateful that I experienced exactly this uh, already at the, the Malzfabrik project. Uh, I, I also observe it at, uh, at the Holzmark project, which is beautiful and so lively. It's not, I have to 
uh, explain uh, at this point it's not a project I am responsible for or I started for, but I'm I'm partnering and I'm friends with with that Holzmarkt project uh, in, in and I have some roles uh, I'm happy to pursue. Uh, to help the site to develop, but it's the joy of using it and of living it. And um, this is this would be the nicest uh, the nicest thing happening to me when we're done, uh, basically in 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 ten years or so. Um, and if we were copied, I'm still looking for ways to scale this form of dealing with real estate and we I would be very grateful and happy if many other real estate developers follow that idea to deal with 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 real estate that's a good closing word I got a riff of that though before closing the room because um, I already know now that in a couple of weeks time um, when you are again available um, I'm super curious to connect uh, a couple of international real estate de developers from Mexico, from Canada, from the US and the DACH region. So DACH region standing for the German speaking countries of Germany, Austria and Switzerland to really almost sense into how can we templatize and learn from each other of how we were developing in these like 15, 20 years and how can we almost hand that over as a Creative Commons license so that other people in real estate, you know, can make use of what we learned to help scale that? Absolutely. 